Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today. That's why it's going to be a fantastic episode, because it's just me, not Charlie. Charlie can't even hear me right now. Can you, Charlie, who is listening right now? So you guys know it. This is the episode that you've been looking for this whole time. I know, Charlie, I can see that you're... I can see that you're in the group listening right now. I'm going to give you as much crap as I possibly can. But before we do that, I have to tell you to go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com if you want to hang out live on the show every day of the week when we want to. Comment with us back and forth. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. And rag on Charlie as much as you can. We've got a whole group of professional Charlie haters. It's the easiest job in the world, but somebody has to do it. For sure. All right. So this is Dumb Bleep of the Week where we finally get to talk about dumb things. This whole week we've been holding back on some of the dumbest things that have been going on. Now, I was telling everyone in the group that we had 20 to choose from today. 20. And no doubt there were a lot more. I didn't even go through Dan Price's Twitter this week to find anything. That's an easy one. I can always do it. I didn't scroll through Bernie or AOC's Twitter this week. These entirely came from the Discord group who posted that in there, or they came from a few articles that I found throughout the week. So we're going to go ahead and get into these because there are eight of them. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about wealth, a lot about Elon Musk, a lot about that, but we can't leave this kind of thing out because his wealth keeps going up and up and up. $300 billion. Holy crap, that's a lot of money that he doesn't actually have direct access to. And of course they want to tax that. They want to take away money that you haven't actually earned yet. It shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what wealth actually is and where his wealth comes from. But we've done a lot of talking about that. The first one's going to come from an article on CNN. And I have this set up today for people watching. I've got to switch this over uh, directly to the screen right here. Dumbly number one. Elon Musk's wealth could solve world hunger. You guys know it. That's all we've been needing. His his wealth could solve world hunger, says director of UN. 2% of his wealth, by the way. They're not even talking about the whole thing. 2% of Elon Musk's wealth could solve world hunger, says the director of the UN Food Scarcity Organization. All right, a group of ultra-wealthy individuals could help solve world hunger with just a fraction of their net worth, says the director of the UN World Food Program. Billionaires need to step up now on a one-time basis, just one time. You help these people right now, and there will not be an entirely new group of hungry people a month from now or a year from now. It'll all be gone after that. You just give them all food right now, and then they will find ways to be productive and to uh, trade value with one another. The real problem here, by the way, just to get to the root cause of this problem, is not that people don't have the money. It's that they don't have a way to earn money. That is the actual problem. And people who are on the left of the, of the Marxist theology, that ideology, they think that the problem is that someone has the money and they can't get it. There's a fixed pie of money. And if they uh, just spread out the wealth, then everyone would be fine. And they also think that the problem for poor people, say in Africa, is that they don't have money. That's what they need. That's not actually what they need. They need a way to earn money. They need a way to be productive, to produce things in society, because that is how you actually earn money. They said $6 billion to help 42 million people that are literally going to die if we don't reach them. It's not complicated. 
he added. That was David Beasley from the UN World Food Program. Six billion to help 42 million people, and they're going to die if we don't take the money from Elon Musk and give it to these people. Now, a question that people need to answer somehow for me is, why don't we look at the U.S. government and say the U.S. government could solve world hunger? If it's $6 billion, and we can help 42 million people, and these people are going to die, and if we just spent $6 billion, are they offering to spend $6 billion? That is... That is literally a third of what the U.S. government spends on a daily basis. A third of what they spend. Every eight hours, this is what the U.S. government spends. Eight hours, and the $6 billion is gone. But if we just took that money from Elon Musk, then we would be able to help all of these people. Not counting all the money that we already spend fighting poverty, trying to help the hungry around the world. It's just that he has this other $6 billion that we need access to. And if we just had access to that, we would take it, we would use it in the perfect places, and all of these people would live. And you see this constant thing that they're doing. Now the alternative is Elon Musk keeps this money and all of these people die. That is how they do this. That is how you can consistently get people behind these ideas. If he gets to keep this money, then all these people are going to die. It's the fact that he has this money is actually the reason that they are going to die. It's, it's gross. It's really gross. That is, uh, that's dumb bleep number one. All right, don't forget it. Number two. Now, this one's going to be tough to even have the words for. I've got some words for it. A lot of stuff I'm not supposed to say on the podcast. I'm sure you guys have heard this. The Biden administration may pay millions to migrant families separated at the border under Trump. This is from NBC News right here. This is so gall darn ridiculous that I have a hard time coming up what to even say about it because the amount of money, now I realize that this is being done through legal action, that they are suing and they're talking about having to do a settlement to pay out uh, upwards of $450,000 per person for people that were separated at the border. Now we're libertarians. We've got some very nuanced views about the border and what we should do about that. All right, it's not that Charlie is a little bit more open borders, pretty open borders. I'm not for just wide open borders, but I am for an immigration system that would take you like a couple days to come into the country. You type in someone's name into a computer. Are they on the run for murdering their family from the country they came from? Nope, I don't have anything. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. That means I can't assume you've committed any type of crime. I have no record of you being wanted for any type of crime that you can come in to this country. That's really it. That's my criteria. That's my whole criteria right there. I had someone arguing with me on Twitter uh, the other day, and the point that I was trying to make is that we have right now, and let me put this back on me. That's what you all want to see. Put that back on there. Um, The point I was trying to make was that if you want to help the worker, the working families, what you want to have is too many businesses out there trying to get the labor from those people and you'll see wages go up. Okay. That is how you would actually help them. Now the government seems to pursue policies where they try to keep businesses away. And what I mean is that actually happening in the free market economy. We have that right now. We have a lot of job openings and it is pushing labor prices up, Uh, but we have a artificially clamped down labor pool at the moment because people are Uh, listening to their uppers that they are not making enough money and they're deciding that it's not worth it to work anymore because, hey, I'll just get some money. Maybe I'll go get separated at the border and I'll get half a million dollars. And what this person said was, well, that's not true because an illegal is just going to come in and take that job away from someone. Now, I understand what they're saying, but my response was, The problem in that scenario are all of the labor laws that we have, all the regulations that we have, because what should happen is you should have competition for that 
we're supposed to have a we're supposed to have a free market mindset, right? This is coming from someone who supposedly had a free market mindset, really love free market capitalism. And they're saying what the problem is is that other people will offer a lower dollar amount for their hourly labor than than some people will. And so therefore we have to stop them from doing that. That is very anti-market. That has nothing to do with this dumb bleep, by the way. Uh, but that is a very anti-market ideology. You're, you're saying that we shouldn't have competition for labor. Now, I realize we don't have that free market right now. We have the government inflating prices in every single way it can, whether it's through uh, decreasing the supply or increasing the supply of money. They're doing every single thing that they can to make all the prices go up on everything. And keeping interest rates low, all that stuff going on right now. So I realize that's not the world that we're living in, my perfect libertarian utopia. But anyway, I just had to make that point real quick. So the Biden administration might pay millions to migrant families separated at the border under Trump. Thousands of migrant parents and children separated from each other at the U.S. border by Trump administration policies may soon be eligible for hundreds of thousands of dollars per person in compensation, according to three sources familiar with ongoing negotiations. Now, they, they first start off by not exactly lying, but, you know, I don't want to just come in here and defend Trump a bunch, but it was already the policy that if you are being prosecuted for a crime down there at the border, that they are, they are not going to allow your children to sit in a holding cell with you. The difference was we had this as a law, but the people weren't being prosecuted. They were just either being led into the country or they were being sent back, but they weren't exactly being prosecuted for, prosecuted for breaking that law. And so the difference was that Trump did was he set the zero tolerance policy for the prosecution. If you do this, if you break the law, we're going to prosecute you. When they did that, well, the current law already stipulated that they weren't able to keep the kids in the holding cells while they were waiting for their prosecution. So it's a little bit of a lie to say that this is uh, by Trump administration policies. What he was actually doing was uh, upholding the current laws that were on the books. He was saying, if someone breaks this law, we're going to prosecute them for it. Whereas that wasn't already happening. The Wall Street Journal first reported on Thursday that the Biden administration is in talks to offer separated migrant parents and children around $450,000 per person. That would mean that if a parent and a child were separated at the border, together they would be eligible for a combined payment of $900,000. $900,000. The two of them together. This is insane. This is completely insane. Now, I'm not normally one to say, well, stop breaking the law. Don't do that. You shouldn't break the law. But when you do decide to break a country's laws and they put you in jail for a short amount of time, I don't know. I find this a little bit ridiculous that you would be able to come back and sue for damages for this afterwards, for the psychological damage that this, that this caused. Now, for the families that are still separated where they haven't been able to get them back together yet, like they, they got lost in the paperwork I didn't sign the proper numbers or anything like that. There's something to be said for that. But y'all, we are almost $29 trillion in debt. We are spending so much money that we're talking about taxing money that people haven't made yet to still not be able to pay for the things that we're already doing. And we're going to talk about spending what's going to end up being a billion dollars on paying people off that are upset that they were separated at the border? What the actual F is going on here? This is nuts. And man, do I wish I would have gone down there and been separated at the border. This is a freaking lottery ticket. Jeez, that's dumb bleep number two. All right. Dumb bleep number three comes from none other than Van Jones and TMZ, this is the article that was posted, but you guys remember those protests that we had? Now, when I say that, some people will think of the month's worth of riots and burning buildings and looting that we had throughout 2020, and some people will only think about one protest, the only protest that has ever happened, which was, of course, the insurrection on Jan 6. That's the only thing that's ever happened before in history. You guys know the thing. 
Van Jones says that the Barclays protest was disturbing and that we cannot normalize this. This is what that looks like. TMZ likes to put things in all caps. So they're all cap. They're not no cap. So that's a that's a problem. Van Jones is very disturbed by what he saw play out at the Barclays Center. Protesters storming the building, a la the January 6th insurrection. All right. So there was a, a protest over Kyrie Irving. They ended up having to lock down the building. Okay. He says there's a danger in these scenes becoming commonplace. Now, he's right about that. Like, you should be disturbed by property damage, by people being scared, having to be shut down over some of this stuff. That's not something that you really want to normalize in your society. That's not something that you want going on all the time, okay? The podcast host and esteemed news commentator joined TMZ Live Monday and told us what it was like to be there in person when demonstrators clashed with security and bowled over barricades outside the NBA arena. The protests were summer comparing to the Capitol riot. See, that's what, when you think about this, when you think about a protest in which people storm a business, um, it's just the Capitol riot. That's all I can think of. There's not any other examples of this happening at all. Uh, in recent memory, even, at all. This didn't happen around a bunch of major U.S. cities. There's only the one time, and that is the time when the almighty government was threatened by people. Now, we were very clear on Jan 6, when we were live while it was happening, that it was stupid. It was really dumb. Even if you secretly like the images of people storming the U.S. Capitol, You have to ask yourself the reason that it was being done. It was being done on unproven allegations of election fraud. Uh, You should wait for that to be proven. You don't know for sure what has happened, and you are going to make everything worse. And this is a good example that every time someone protests somewhere, it turns into a riot or it turns into some type of destruction of property, then it's just compared to Jan 6. You lost your principled leg to stand on. If it wouldn't have been for that, then when people talked about protests slash riots, it would just go back to the hundreds of protests and riots that happened in 2020 and the billions of dollars in property damage. Now, one thing I will say here, of course, they just draw the comparison to January 6th. That's the dumb part of dumb leap number three. I looked and looked because the obvious story here that we would have gone with was Van Jones is a hypocrite. He supported the BLM riots, thought that all that was fine because it was justified. And now he's saying that you shouldn't be storming a business and that you shouldn't be doing anything like that. I spent a long time looking for things that Van Jones had said specifically about the BLM riots. And I could not find things with him specifically supporting what people were doing. I did find one thing that would go along the lines of that, um, of that talking point, which was he said that the riots, the protests needed to stop because they would end up helping Trump win. This is when Trump was still the president. He said they needed to stop because it was helping Trump. And so that's what he, that is what he went to. And so what's just really important to do here and the dumb leap is that the dumb leap is is that when people end up protesting at a business and they go into the business well that's obviously it's january 6th that's not the hundreds of times that happened in 2020 when the businesses were actually burnt down or dozens of people were murdered or anything like that or or died in the protest it's not about that it's just about january 6th that's all it is don't forget never forget the day that people with flagpoles made it all the way to Nancy Pelosi's desk. Never forget that day. It was a very, very sad day in our nation's history. But also, don't just assume that someone is immediately a hypocrite like I did when I first saw this news story because I went through his Twitter. I went through um, five pages of Google search results about Van Jones and BLM. Protests slash riots slash supporting those things. And I actually couldn't find anything. I actually couldn't. In fact, I found a lot of things that I know that he sees everything from a racial point of view. I know he does. Uh, but I actually found a lot of things that made me have a little bit more respect for the things that he was saying. I, that's not something I ever thought I would say. Okay. You can hate me like I'm Charlie all you want. All right. But that's the truth with some cheese on it right there. 
Number four, let's stay with everything is racist. We'll stay with everything is racist here for a minute. Condoleezza Rice. We talked about this a little bit one previous day, but I just, you know, I actually read the article and it's still, (laughs) exactly, Charlie, exactly. I read the article and it still just really stuck with me that this is something that we need to talk about a little bit more. All right. And this will be my white privilege talking about this, of course. So you can't trust anything I say on this. Condoleezza Rice's CRT stance proves that she is a foot soldier for white supremacy. Just keep this in mind. If you are a person of color that does not agree with what the left wants, then you're actually just a white supremacist. That's all it is. You cannot have your own opinions, especially if they are against whatever the left, the left runs wants. If you actually have your own opinions and they differ, you're just a white supremacist. You're either with us or you're against us. And actually, you don't have your own mental faculty where you can make your do your own critical thinking or anything like that. In fact, you're just a tool. You're, and I mean, I mean a tool for white supremacy. You are a foot soldier for white supremacy. That's it. It sounds, sounds a little bit more racist to me, but Connolly's Rice's recent appearance on The View was offensive and disgusting for many reasons. But she was who we thought she was, a soldier for white supremacy. Her thoughts on critical race theory are completely white-centric. They revolve around the thoughts and needs of white people. Her primary argument against critical race theory is that... Now, why are we even arguing about this thing that doesn't exist? That's weird. Her primary argument against critical race theory is that history should not be taught in a way that makes white kids feel bad. What? It's in the article. It's not me saying that. We should whitewash U.S. history to protect the feelings of white children? Excuse me. We should whitewash U.S. history even more than we already do in order to protect the feelings of white children? First of all, what about the feelings of black children? What about their feel? What would their feelings be if they knew they were being taught a version of American history that was distorted to protect white kids? Why do we have to see it? Why, why do we have to see it like this? Now, one thing, you should be taught an accurate history. I don't think anyone's arguing that you shouldn't be taught an accurate history. There was slavery in the United States. There were Jim Crow laws. There were terrible things that have happened throughout all of human history. And America's guilty of a lot of them, or at least some of them. That did happen here, for sure. But there's a difference in talking about that history. For instance, I mean, when I was in seventh grade back in like 98 or something like that, in my seventh grade history or social studies class, we watched the movie Glory. And we talked about slavery. We talked about all that. And we talked about, uh, you know, there was the scene where um, Denzel Washington is, uh, you know, beaten because of what he had done because of running off and all that. And, and we remember that we stopped it. And we talked about it. Then we talked about how terrible it was, but there's a difference in teaching an accurate history of what happened and then taking all of that terrible negativity and all that and placing it on the white race in general. And also those children right there, that they are somehow to blame for it as well, which is what people are actually doing. And that is why they are upset with it making white kids feel bad. You should not be made to hate yourself for what people 200 years ago did. That does not make any sense whatsoever. Are you responsible for what those people did? Am I responsible at all for what those people did? Bring it way closer. Are you responsible for what your father did? No, that's what he did. You might have lived a completely perfect, amazing life and been nice to everyone. What if your father murdered eight children? Does that make you a murderer? No. What if your grandfather did something like that? No, it doesn't at all. 
And so the issue here is not that we're teaching an accurate history to children. The issue is that you're teaching that history, but then you're also taking all of that blame and all those bad things. And you're still saying that those children in the classroom are somehow responsible to it and that they are still somehow oppressing the other kids that are in the classroom. And yeah, that will make people feel bad and for no reason. So if the question is, should you make a certain uh, race of children feel bad because of what race they are? No, you shouldn't make people feel good specifically because of what race they are. It is a ridiculous concept to take these kids and say that they are somehow guilty for, for what their great, 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 great grandparents did. How does that make any sense? That is what people are actually against. And so it shouldn't be about making the white kids feel bad or making the black kids feel good. We should just give an accurate representation of what history was. And the teachers should also teach their kids that we are all individuals and we're not responsible for the sins of our grandparents at all. That is why people are upset. And then the other annoying thing is that they will take someone who comes out and says a very reasonable position, like what I just said right there, that you're not responsible for people before you did. You shouldn't feel bad for what those people did. You have not oppressed anyone because you're freaking eight years old. You haven't done that. Okay. And if you are black, when you are saying that, then you are just still a white supremacist. You are given no moral authority whatsoever. All you are is just another white supremacist. You've just been taken over by the Nazis, by the Nazis. That's all it is. So that is dumb bleep number four. All right, let's get into something that is, here's a little bit easier. Let's, let's uh, lighten it up just a little bit here. Real quick from Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala. One thing I think is pretty funny is this tweet is from five days ago she's the vice president of the united states and it's only got 3700 retweets thirty-two thousand likes she's the vice president of the united states and the tweets from five days ago anyway i read through here some people kind of see through some of the bs the biden harris administration has created more jobs in our first eight months than any other administration in american history I don't think I have to go into this, but I will. We'll just state the obvious here really quickly. You came in at a time when the country had just been shut down and people were literally not allowed to run their businesses. And a lot of people went out of business. People were not able to go to work. They weren't able to go to stores in some cases. We lost all of those jobs. We lost a lot of good businesses out there. And then you come in and they get to open back up. And you somehow boast about creating new jobs, regaining jobs that we just had a year ago is not creating new jobs. Actually still being at less employment than we were a year ago is not creating new employment. That is not creating new jobs. That is allowing some of them to come back into existence, but that is not creation. And the fact that like, this is a blatantly manipulative statement and they know that they clearly know that it's as clear maybe even more clear than the idea of how much people how much did people make during the pandemic the rich billionaire 0.02 percent what did they make well let's pull from the very bottom of the stock market the lowest day that the stock market hit and then let's pull to the very top of the stock market and we'll say that that's what they made. We'll not pay attention to the 30% drop that happened over a few weeks before that. We're going to start from the very bottom right there. This is such obvious statistical manipulation. And the thing is, some people actually see this and they fall for it. Every administration does this. People in the government do this all the time. This is not something that is unique to only people on the left. This happens all the time. So everyone, no matter what side of the aisle you're on realize that people are manipulating you all the time and even your side tries to manipulate data as well unless you're a libertarian of course no manipulation no manipulation there obviously because there's no one to do any manipulating because they have no one in power that's actually talking to anyone so it's impossible actually 
But this is clearly obvious. You came in at a time when a bunch of people had just been shut down. They were allowed to come back into the workforce. You, you should not be lying this much and people should not fall for it. I posted on there, do people actually fall for this kind of propaganda? Is this actually something that people see and they're like, oh yeah, look how good they're doing. They're doing so good. They've created more jobs than any other administration in American history. This is so much better. Look how good they are at creating jobs. Ugh, how do people do it? How do they sleep at night? Okay, the next thing. Equally dumb and annoying. I don't know if you all saw this whole thing going on with the school board in Minneapolis. You know, we did a speech about privacy and the importance of keeping yourself private from the state, from having that privacy, because that would actually stop a tyrannical government from being able to gain all of its power. They have to remove your privacy. One simple thing they've been trying to do for a while is something called the Disclose Act. When you donate to a nonprofit, then that nonprofit would be required to post all of the names of all the people who donated, where they are, where they live, for everything. That would actually deter people from making those donations for whatever the political action is. Well, now they found one thing in the Minnesota school board. Of course, we've had all these domestic terrorists out there talking at the uh, uh, bothering our uppers and the school boards and the teachers unions and the teachers and the school administrations. And we can't be bothered with these lowly people. So what can we actually do? Let's actually scare them out of talking about these things. So we'll uh, let me play this real quick. I just want to remind everyone this is a business meeting of the school board. It is not a meeting that belongs to the public. Each speaker is asked to state his or her name and address for the record. Failure to do so will result in an individual not being allowed to speak. John, can you give us your name and address, please? Um, my name is John Wicklin. I live in Mankato. Could I get your address, please, John? Um, I'd rather not, since you guys Don't have it already. Don't give your address. You can't speak. And I get so much uh, property damage and eggs and everything else from fun people and their friends. John, you need board. to give your address. All right, I live on speak. Fifth Street. Excuse me? I live on Fifth Street. House number? Thank you. <clears throat> All right. So are our kids safe? Okay, that's infuriating to me. Now, there's one reason, first off, to defend this. There's, there's one reason that you want to know this information, and that is that this is a local school board meeting, and you would potentially want to make sure that you didn't have a lot of people from outside the school district coming in and speaking at these meetings. If that is the case, then they should um, ask people for that address uh, simply maybe flash your license, whatever. There are other ways you can do this without people stating it publicly before they speak. And now that, then they could collect the addresses. I'm not saying to collect it. Maybe you have to have someone watching them, making sure they're not collecting it, and someone watching that person to make sure that they're not letting the person collect it. There's obviously a lot of problems here. But why would they, what other reasons would they do this? What, what other reasons would they want to make you give up that information before you could speak? It's to scare you out of speaking. Yeah, that's what Costco just said. Just have them state their address when they come in. If they don't live in the district, then this isn't their school board meeting. Go to your school board meeting. Go to your local council meeting. Go to, go to whatever it is then. And that's a, that's a pretty easy thing if that's what you're actually worried about. The act of making people state this publicly on the record has nothing to do with that. It has to do with actually scaring people out of doing the talking. It has to, has to do with making them scared of the repercussions if they do actually get up there and speak and say things that people don't like. And that is a very, uh, that is a very tyrannical state of mind. That is a very tyrannical direction for the country to go. That is why privacy is so important. That one thing right there, you being able to speak up at your own school board, having that amount of privacy and not having to state your name and address out there in front of everyone publicly for it to go out onto the internet and potentially be seen by thousands to millions of people. Just that one little act of privacy right there protects your right to be able to speak up about injustices that you believe are happening in your, in your school. And even they have found a way to scare people out of doing that. How many people might end up saying, well, I, 
I want to speak up, but I'm worried about what the repercussions will be if I go do this. What's going to happen when I state my address and people don't like what I said and they end up egging my house? Maybe they burn my house down. Who knows? And Joe asked if the board members gave their addresses. They should, at least. They, they should also have to do it too if we're going to do this. But you guys see how important the privacy is because if we're not allowed to speak up, if we're not allowed to state our grievances to the king without fear of repercussion, then that's going to allow them to take even more power over time. So that's dumb bleep number six, the Minnesota school board right there. Dumb bleep number seven. Uh, I can't believe we, uh, I'm actually going to talk about this, but it's funny. So we'll have to talk about it. Fact check. We got our dumb bleep fact check here. This is a very important piece of journalism and piece of fact checking. Responding to people making jokes, making fun of the people who would, who would have actually said this, by the way. Fact check from Reuters. Biden talked about corporations not paying a cent when he gave the okay hand gesture. Yes, that is true. They are fact checking whether or not Joe Biden was giving a fake white supremacy, white power hand gesture that was made up as a joke that they have been telling people with some type of a white power hand gesture when they would catch someone making the okay symbol for a year or so now, a couple of years or a few years. I don't know how long it's been going on. They actually had to fact check this. And of all people, because libs of TikTok, a hilarious TikTok and Twitter made a joke about the fact that he was flashing the white power sign up there. That is how serious our journalism has become. A hand gesture U.S. President Joe Biden made during a CNN town hall in Baltimore was in reference to corporations not paying taxes. Some social media users are isolating a screenshot of the moment. From this context, the claim it resembles a white supremacist symbol. And they are here to tell you that they know for sure that he was not flashing a white power symbol. Now, let's not talk about the other times that this has been talked about when people flashed the OK sign and they were secretly a white supremacist. They were secretly speaking to all of their Q brothers or whatever the heck it is. I don't know. Biden flashed the white power sign, OMG, a tweet with a screenshot of the CNN broadcast reads. Other posts on Twitter and Facebook are viewable, and here's all the posts. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Footage of the moment shows Biden was responding to a question from the audience about taxes and highest income earners in the country. So he says that 55 corporations in the United States are making over, making over $40 billion, don't pay a cent, not a single red cent. Oh, I guess we'll just mention the economic thing. We're okay, so they got $40 billion and they don't pay taxes on it. How much are you going to tax it? Let's make it 20%. Okay, there we go. We magically have $8 billion, guys. We got $8 billion more. Now we can run the government for roughly 11 hours. And this is a really huge talking point. We should have gotten 11 hours more worth of funding to fund new things when we can't even pay for the things that we're doing right now. But it is very important for the journalists out there to fact check the point that he was not flashing a white power sign, even though the people that were saying this were saying it as a joke in the first place. All right. The verdict, missing context. Biden made this hand gesture while saying corporations pay zero cents. So that is why he was, in fact, making that hand gesture. The next one right here, I think, came from Nicole in the Discord. It is uh, something from Instagram. Let me put this on there. The We got the first actual screenshot and then the actual words of the post after that. Dumb bleep number eight. Quote, capitalism means free trade. No, it doesn't. That's just some dumb nonsense libertarians started saying a few years ago. <laughs> libertarians broke into the Oxford Dictionary, by the way, and they changed the definition. I think I remember when we stormed the Oxford Dictionary headquarters 
uh, back in 2018. And while we had people, uh, we had their attention diverted elsewhere, we changed the definition of capitalism while no one was looking. That's just something libertarians started saying a few years ago. Capitalism means what the Marxists who invented the term have been saying it means since the 1800s. The owners of the means of production exploiting workers. That is what capitalism means. So to believe this, you have to believe that capitalism, that profit, that all this is inherently exploitation of the workers. They go further into this. This is a little blurry. You probably won't be able to read it on the screen. I should have blew it up before I screenshot it. So the words in this post, she went on to say, capitalism is a system which financially coerces those who have nothing to sell their labor, uh, to sell it to the owners of the means of production, necessarily at a price that is far below the amount of value they generate. It is inherently exploitative. Well, let's stop on that here just for a minute on the exploitation part and that is less than the amount that they, that they generate. You know, people will look at that side of the equation and they'll say, well, you're working and you're getting paid $15 an hour, but actually you're creating this thing during that time, this widget during that time that they're selling for $30 an hour. And so therefore, your time was actually worth 30 and they're either overcharging the people who paid for it or they are underpaying you. And that is the only side of the equation that exists. There is another side of the equation that people have to realize. If you go to work at a factory and they're making cars and they sell the car for 50K, something like that. And you say, well, that's actually what I was producing during that time. And actually I produced 10 cars this year myself. That's what it comes out to. I produce 10 cars. And so I actually produce $500,000 worth of value. And if I got paid $50,000, then I've been exploited and they have stolen the fruits of my labor and they've stolen 450 grand for me, or they charge way too much for the cars. The side of that equation that matters is if you just look where the factory is, factories on a big piece of land, somewhere if you just walked onto that piece of land and was like i'm going to build a car would you be able to do that would you be able to build that car no okay well maybe there's a building there this uh, ancient building that's left there would you be able to build the car now no okay what if the building magically had machines in it it was just full of machines uh, would you be able to build it then well no they don't have any materials for it Okay, well, now everything is magically in the building, including materials and the machines, and you're, so you're able to actually do it. And so now you're saying your labor is worth that. The, pro the thing that people don't pay attention to is the fact that without all of the capital investment from the business owner and all of the risk that went into that, your labor is worth nothing at all. You're not going to walk onto that piece of land and build 10 cars. So the person who has the business... Who took, who took the risk and put in the capital investment, they have also added value to the equation. Value that would not have been there. And that is putting in that capital towards the materials, towards the machinery, towards the building, towards buying the land, towards all of those things that made your labor worth something when it would have been worth nothing because you would not have been able to build the car without all of those capital investments. So when people do this, any amount that is charged for more than what I'm getting paid, well, that's exploitation. They are completely ignoring part of the process, which is that capital investment, the things that people provided that without those things, your labor is worth absolutely nothing unless you bought all of it, in which case you would have to charge what they were charging and still end up probably making the same amount of profit or less because you wouldn't have all the efficiency that they have. Let's continue reading what this person said. Just see if there's anything else dumb inside of Dumb Bleep number eight. It's inherently exploitative. Only narrative says I should be able to use my socioeconomically advantaged position to hire workers who exponentially multiply my wealth for a fraction of what it costs me to pay them. Capitalist narrative, narrative created and promulgated 
for generations by those who benefit from it. There's just this room of people smoking cigars, drinking whiskey. They're like, let's work on the capitalist narrative, man. I know that you were wanting to uh, play darts, but um, we need to get back to writing this capitalist narrative because it's sounding really good. By distorting this definition, supporters of capitalism can object to its critics with, this isn't real capitalism because trade is regulated by corrupt governments. Now, what you can do, they've decided that there's a different definition. The definition of capitalism is what I feel the definition of capitalism is. It's what I've decided to say it is. It's what Marx decided to say it is. And all of our other religious Marxists out there, the supporters of Marx, who still have faith that something is going to work out, even though it never has in the past, it's what we say it is. So therefore, when someone says this isn't real capitalism based on the definition of capitalism, well, they're wrong. They're just following the capitalist narrative that was just changed a few years ago by libertarians, apparently. No, it's not capitalism. Real capitalism is entirely compatible with the corruption of capitalist governments. Now, we, sw we need to switch away from that because... Marxism, socialism, communism, those aren't compatible with corrupt governments at all. We've, uh, anytime it's been tried, it went perfectly. There wasn't any corruption. Everything went fine. So it's only capitalism that is compatible with the corrupt governments, right? That's all it is. And by the way, I did bring in the um, definition of capitalism. It's just from Oxford right here, but an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So free market capitalism also in here is synonymous with the definition of capitalism. It is a free market. Uh, the trade is controlled by private owners for profit. Um, not a whole lot in here about it being controlled by the government, by public entities or anything like that. That's not really one of the things that I see in the definition, but Things mean whatever we feel like they mean, right? That's where we are right now. Things mean what I feel like they mean. And if something has been corrupted and destroyed over a long period of time, then whatever it's turned into, that is the new definition of that thing that it started off with. Now, it's interesting. They'll do that with, say, communism, socialism, whatever the ism is. They'll look at Stalin, they'll look at Mao, and they say, well, that wasn't Marxism. That wasn't that real thing. Well, sure it is. That was completely synonymous with corrupt governments and evil dictators who do terrible things. What are you talking about? That's obviously what it is. So they'll make that, uh, they'll make that distinction for what Marxists have turned into over time, but uh, not for what capitalism turned into. Those are the dumb bleeps for the weeks. Let me post all the numbers in here. The thumbs up will be the only thing that is accepted. And dear, last week, everyone was corrupting the system by picking different color thumbs ups. So the yellow color fluid color is the only one that will be accepted. That's it. The non-colored thumbs up on that will be. All right, so get your votes in on those numbers. Skin tone fluid color, color X, will be the only thumbs ups that are accepted. Let me run back through here. Number eight was all that crap about capitalism we just read. Number seven was the uh, fact check for the Biden okay symbol. Number six was the Minnesota school board forcing you to give your address. Number five was Kamala Harris and uh, they've created more jobs than any other administration in American history in the first eight months. Number four, Condoleezza Rice is a white supremacist. Number three, all protests are just like January 6th, nothing else. Number two, Biden administration may pay millions to migrant families that were separated under Trump. And number one, the very first thing, if we just took $6 billion from Elon Musk, then we could solve world hunger. If only we had ever had access to that amount of money, then that is what we could actually do. 
While these votes are coming in, I will say make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We need some more. That is how people can tell that other people listen to this show. There are a lot of people listening to this. By the way, we say this all the time. It keeps growing. I believe, I haven't looked today. Yesterday was the most amount of listeners that we had, and we weren't even here yesterday. We posted an interview, so that's a, that's what we need to do. But we had the most amount of listeners Yesterday, it keeps growing all the time. New people joining on Locals also. GoodMorningLiberty.Locals.com so they can watch live and they can comment live and they can vote on these dumb bleeps. So that is all really cool. Make sure you leave that rating and review if you use Apple. It is more important than any of us understand. We have got to get those reviews up. Got to bump the numbers up because that is how you can tell that other people listen to the show. And that's especially how the algorithms can tell that other people listen to the show. All right, I'm going to look at the votes right here. Ah, see what you did there. Number five. Oh man, which one was number five? I don't have the numbers on here today. Is that the, uh, let's see. Oh, eight was that thing. Seven was that thing. Six. Number five, go to Kamala Harris. I think that's who won. That's who wins. Kamala Harris, the surprising, easy, super dumb propaganda moment from Kamala Harris wins dumb bleep of the week that they created the most jobs out of any presidential administration in American history from starting from scratch. (laughs) Basically is what it was. All right. Thank you all so much for listening today. I'm sorry on behalf of Charlie for him not being here and He's actually been on the show here in the group auditing the podcast this whole time. And so should have just had him join over the phone or something like that. Maybe that, maybe that would have worked, but he's on his, he's on his phone right now doing business. We will be right back here. Make sure you check in by the way, this weekend, I just recorded a great interview earlier today with Dr. Jeff Myers from summit ministries. It was a really great conversation about meaning Uh, about people moving towards the religion of government, uh, about all sorts of stuff that uh, I found really interesting. It was, it was a, it was a really good interview, a really good conversation. So everyone in the locals will be getting that interview tonight and everyone else is probably going to get it on like Sunday, something like that. So if you want to listen to it right now, then go over to the, well, not right now, but like three hours from now, give me three hours and you can listen to it. If you do all the stuff I just said, I don't remember what it was either, but you can go back and listen to it. Then we'll be right back here again on Monday. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.